0: When I was really young, when I'm talking uh, really early grade school years, like kindergarten, first grade, I struggled with a uh, mild form of dyslexia. So, if d- dyslexia is when you get your uh, your your letters and your numbers kind of scrambled up, so I learned how to do my B's and my D's like this. I'm not sure which is which, but. Um, Uh, It was a a real struggle for me. I would have reoccurring nightmares that I was being chased by numbers and letters uh, when I was young. I can still kind of remember the anxiety that it brought about in my life. And so uh, in kindergarten, first grade, I'd have to go to uh, special classes outside of our normal classroom so that I could kind of learn how to sort through this, this really mild form of dyslexia. It it still bothers me a little bit today, like I wouldn't say I'm dyslexic, but um, I just thank the Lord for spell check, like it has saved my life, Um, and uh, it it has saved you from having to read um, terrible emails, but it is one of those things that was incredibly frustrating as a young person, and even through my schooling, it just continued to kind of haunt me and become frustrating, partly because uh, it affected how I did math and how I did spelling, obviously, the frustrating part was that my dad was a math genius. Like he was an accountant. He um, he could just sort any any kind of math out in his head. He could sort it through just really naturally. And so if you can imagine as a really young person struggling with getting math and reading and all those kind of things together, having your father look over your shoulder the entire time you're doing homework and feeling this constant pressure that you're just not you just can't get it, right? The frustration that, that, that mounts in, in a young person's mind and heart is just him being constantly frustrated and his frustration growing and growing and growing because he just cannot understand why can't you get this. And my little heart feeling like I, I'm trying as hard as I can, I'm working on my homework for hours, and for some reason it just won't click. I just can't get it. I don't know if you had those kind of uh, things in your life, those moments in your life where you just feel just like, I just am not getting it. Like it's just not clicking for me. And maybe it's not just in a skill or competency that you're, you're trying to achieve or something at work that maybe frustrates you or something in school. You're just like, I just, for some reason, i just not clicking for me. But maybe you felt that kind of frustration in your spiritual life where it just feels as though everyone else around me seems to be getting this, but I just, for some reason, it just doesn't click for me. Like, I just can't get over that hump of whatever it may be. I'm not sure if you felt that. I I can be honest with you and say that I've I've felt that most of my life, and and it's been for a variety of different things, right? Um, There's certain things that stick out on my mind right now that have just continued to be a frustration in my spiritual life. It's just like, I just don't understand why I can't get this. It's not about knowledge. It really isn't. It seems like there's just this barrier between my heart and my mind, and it's not about desire because I really want to figure those things out. I really want to, to um, really advance in my spiritual life in certain things, but for some reason it just, there just seems to be something blocked there that I just can't get over, Right? I'm not sure if you've been in that situation before or not or feel that, that kind of pressure on yourself. But, but it, I think it's the same kind of frustration that the disciples probably felt um, when Jesus uh, encountered them as this particular story that Elena just read. We really have two different uh, groups that Jesus is, is addressing here. He's, he's talking to the Pharisees, and then he's, talking, then he's going to talk to the disciples. But there's a bit of a frustration that Jesus is feeling, right? And it's not the kind of a frustration of a dad looking over the shoulder of a youngster going, why can't you get this? But there is a sense where he's looking over the shoulder of us going, why can't you get this? Like, what is it that you're missing? What is it that's in the way of you actually... Um, making this a part of who you are, it being really rooted in your spirit. So here's the background a little bit for this particular passage of scripture. So Jesus has just completed this miraculous feeding of 4,000 plus people. The 4,000 is probably the count of men, but it's probably far more than that. And he's, he's fed them using seven loaves of bread and a few fish. This is an addition to uh, another miracle that he's just completed which is just two chapters back in Matthew chapter 6 which we didn't read tonight but this is the that's the feeding of the 5,000. Some of you may be a little confused because maybe you just thought there was one miracle with loaves and fishes but there actually is two. There's one in Mark chapter 6 and one in Mark uh, chapter 8 which we just read tonight. There are two separate incidences. One's the feeding of the 4,000 and one's the feeding of the 5,000. We read the Feeding the 5,000 is a little more technical because he's, he, he addresses there's two fish and there's 12 loaves of bread. So Jesus has just finished that miracle, and now he's come to the feeding of a 4,000. And so now he has this moment of frustration that Jesus is, have, is having now where he's addressing again these two groups of people, the Pharisees and the disciples. See, the Pharisees, they, they want to see a sign from Jesus, but he refuses to do it. That they're asking, like, we, we want to test you, we want to see if there's some way that you can prove that you are who you say that you are. If you're truly the Messiah, like, we, we want to see some evidence of that. Jesus refuses to do that. And so Jesus uses this, so he leaves the Pharisees, he jumps back in the boat with the disciples, and now he's attempting to use the debate that he's just had with the Pharisees as a teaching moment with the disciples. But the disciples completely miss what Jesus is trying to say. We're actually going to come back to this in just a few minutes. Again, there's probably an area in your life, much like the disciples or perhaps even like the Pharisees, where Jesus has been trying to focus in on something in your life that perhaps you're just not getting. You may be reading scripture or a theme continues to come up, Or you're having conversations with your friends and and it continues to lead back to this one reoccurring theme in your life. Or you keep struggling through the same experiences day after day. And and it's like the Lord just continues to move this thing in front of you and saying, I'm not going to go any further with you until you've kind of figured this part out. And so he, he constantly reminds you, I don't know if you've had experiences like that. I seem to have reoccurring themes in my life like that. And when I talked to other people, including my wife this week, we discovered, yes, it's it's this way in which God just continually reminds you of like, no, this is an area of your life I really want you to focus on. And and sometimes he does it through reading scripture. He does it through um, people around you or experiences and circumstances in your life. Like I, I have themes like that in my life where God's just like, nope, we're going to stop right here, and I want you to, we're going to work on this area for a little bit, and I'm going to find all kinds of ways of bringing this issue in front of you. For me, to be really honest right now, the theme in my life that I continue to struggle with that God is helping to shine a spotlight on is my identity when it comes to my own professional and ministry life. That's the area that he's focusing on right now. And I know this is unique because I'm in ministry, right? But it's an area where I continue to look towards my identity being fulfilled in ministry instead of my identity being filled in Christ. It's a reoccurring theme for me, right? When I talked to my wife this week, she has a reoccurring theme that she keeps struggling with. And hers is her place in her work. And the struggles that she feels with her coworkers And finding, like, how does she navigate being a believer in a very non-Christian environment? So yours is probably very specific to you. Like that's mine. I could tell you about Lori's. I could give you more in depth about those things. But really what I want you to do is I want you to think about what is that particular thing that God keeps shining a spotlight on and saying, here's an area I really want you to focus on. So here's what I've done for you tonight. Um, You should have a half sheet, white piece of paper. If you don't, just raise your hand and one of our welcome team members will come and bring you one. Okay? If you didn't get one, we got... One here, one here, so make sure you get those. Got a couple over here. Keep your hands raised and they'll come around. Excellent. Okay, so as we're passing those out, we've got two over here, one up front and one in the back. So here's the instructions I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to take a look at this list. This list is not exhaustive. We need one up here. There we go. Right up here, third row, sorry. And one back here. Keep raising your hands if you guys need them. So, here's what I'd like for you to do. Here's your instructions. I want you to take a look at this list. This list is not exhaustive. Okay. On one hand, you're going to see some some areas of. Um, it's not all areas of sin, but it's, it's issues that you may be struggling with. So there's some issues of sin. There's some issues of just heartache or, or reoccurring pain in your life. And on the other side, there's some, there's some areas of, of potential growth for you to maybe grow in the fruit of the Spirit or to grow in a particular area of a discipline. So here's what I'd like for you to do. I want you just to quickly look through this list, and I want you just to mark a few of those things that you see that maybe God is trying to shine a spotlight on and saying, here's an area I'd love for you to focus some attention on your growth in. And then what I want you to do is I want you to whittle down that small list to one. To one that you're like, oh, this is the, this is the area I know God wants to work on with me. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes of quiet time to do that. You finding one? Again, it may be an area that continues to come back up over and over again when you're reading scripture. And God's just highlighting it for you, shining a spotlight and ah, you don't miss this. Maybe it's again through some circumstances or experiences in your life, like, why is it that I continue having the same conversation over and over again? Maybe it's the, the area that you continue to pray about. God, if you could just give me a breakthrough in this area, if you could give me freedom in this area. So again, I want you to try to get it down to one area. This is going to be good for you as we go through the rest of this message because I think it's good for you to have at least one thing in your mind. And it's really to answer this question, what lesson has the Lord been trying to teach me through his word, through experiences, through other people that has not taken root yet in my life? What is it that God's trying to teach me that has not yet taken root in my life? I think there's two primary things that are standing in the way from you learning what Jesus has been trying to teach you, and we, we see them highlighted in this passage of Scripture. And what I'm going to do is I really want to focus in on um, the passage uh, right after the feeding of the 4,000. We're going to look at these, these two stories of the one with the, the Jesus' encounter with the Pharisees and then Jesus' encounter with the disciples. Because it really takes everything that's happened with the feeding of the five thousand and the feeding of the four thousand, brings them together and uses this as kind of a teaching moment. <clears throat> so there's really two things. One, the first one is this, and it really is the most dangerous, and that is spiritual blindness. The second is obscured vision. So one is spiritual blindness; the other is obscured vision. So the first one is this, spiritual blindness. And in this one, Jesus um, has this conversation with the Pharisees. And so we can ask the question, well, what is it the Pharisees are missing here? We, We find in verse 11, so the Pharisees came and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. So here's an interesting question. What would make Jesus sigh deeply? Like this is the, this the wording of this that he sighed deeply is a is a very emotional kind of uh, response, right? Maybe you had those moments where where you're just you just can't get something, and maybe it's a parent or a boss, or maybe you feel exasperated, and you just do one of those kind of head thumps, like you know, oh my gosh. Ugh, why can't you get this? That's a bit of the response Jesus has in this moment, is that he's just performed this amazing miracle where he's, he's divided seven loaves of bread to feed over 4,000 people, and now he's got the Pharisees coming and saying what? Hey, Jesus, in order for you to prove who you really say that you are, would you mind showing us something that's really miraculous? I mean, what would your response be if you were Jesus? Like, like, you're kidding me, right? Like, I just fed over 4,000 people, and you're asking me for a sign? I mean, it's no wonder Jesus sighs deeply in exasperated, emotional response to this kind of question. It's his frustration with the Pharisees, but, it's, but it has to do with their... Their lack of understanding, their rejection of him. And it's evidenced by him, them asking this asinine question, right? Looking for a sign instead of believing on him by the basis of his teaching and based on what they've already seen him demonstrate. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, verse 14, it says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understanding, who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. See, there's, there's a blindness, a spiritual blindness that, that people have and, and to be honest, all of us at one point were spiritually blind. We couldn't see the things outside of this world. We couldn't see the spiritual realm. Before we have a relationship with Christ, we're, we are all blind. We're all trying to use our flesh, our natural eyes, our natural bodies to see the things of the Spirit, which are impossible for us to see. You can't see those things in your natural eyes. You can't hear the things of the Lord with your natural ears. It's impossible to do that. It is only when we take on the mind of Christ that we're able to see those things, and to hear those things for what they truly are. And until that happens, then we will all be spiritually blind. So anyone that's outside of Christ, anyone who's not placed their their heart and mind and, and, and placed their belief into the saving knowledge of Jesus will always struggle to see the things that are spiritual in nature. And it creates a spiritual blindness. See, spiritual blind will never see the truth. Their hearts are hardened. But those who have given our lives to Christ actually have the mind of Christ. And so as we mature in our faith and our understanding of Jesus, we move from spiritual blindness to having the mind of Christ. It's still obscured vision, but it's constantly moving forward. We we don't have 20-20 vision, but But it continues to become more and more in focus when we have the mind of Christ. That is, part of of sanctification is that we're constantly seeing more, hearing more, understanding more of who Jesus is and our relationship with the Lord. Until we come to that place, we will always be spiritually blind. That's where we find the Pharisees, is that they're just blind to see anything Jesus could Show them miracle after miracle after miracle. I mean, he says it here. He says, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly, really, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Why? Because it doesn't matter what he does. They will still never see it. He could, he could, he could divide 10 fish into 12,000 loaves, and they still wouldn't see it. He's just healed someone um, in, in the previous chapter. In chapter 7, he's healed someone um, that's, that's deaf, he, he's just healed a demon-possessed woman. Like there is no sign for a spiritually blind person that will ever be enough to show them the true knowledge of who Jesus is. It is a warning for us. It is for us who have, who have not accepted Christ, who have not come to that place of placing our trust in Jesus. We, we think we may see, but we will never quite understand what this is that Christianity claims. But there is this other part that Jesus addresses, and it's the obscured vision. We see it because we see what the disciples are missing, and they've moved again from being spiritually blind to now having this vision where now it's starting to become more and more clear to them. It's not 2020 vision, but it's it's getting clearer and clearer as they continue in their their fellowship of Jesus. It's a lot like when we read in First Corinthians chapter thirteen. It says, "For now we see in a mere dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know shall know fully, even as I've been fully known." Right? It's this constant, this constant sanctification, this constant process of us having our eyes unobscured from the truth of who Jesus is and who our Father is. But we read here in verse 13, Jesus talking to the disciples, again, a moment of frustration for Jesus. It says, and he left them, got into the boat, and he went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, watch out, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. See, Jesus is speaking about spiritual matters here. They've jumped out of the boat. He's had this interaction with the Pharisees. He's jumped in the boat. He's thinking, this is, this is a great teaching opportunity, right? We've left these guys who just are spiritually blind. They can't see anything. So I'm going to use this as an opportunity to, um, to really lay down some real spiritual truth on my disciples, right? But their minds are completely stuck on the matters of the day, the matters of the moment, and the mundane. They just can't get beyond their own stomachs right now. So what's he trying to teach them? Well, he's trying to teach them. He's warning them. He's using this moment, right, to warn them against the leaven of the Pharisees. Very simply, the leaven is always, in, in biblical terms, is almost always seen as something negative. It's seen as sin or legalism or something. And so he just, he's just taking a quick moment. And he's like, hey, guys, uh, just so you know... There's going to be lots of opportunities along the way where the Pharisees and the Herodians are going to come in and they're going to try to deceive you. They're going to try to sneak this leaven in, right? And and it's going to distort the way that you think. And so you need to be you need to be on the watch for that. Like you need to be very careful. Because those guys are really deceiving, right? And he just knows from here on just like They did with Jesus. The Pharisees did with Jesus. He knows his disciples are going to encounter the same kind of stuff moving on in their ministry. And so he's just warning them, like, hey, guys, you just need to be really careful about this, right? They are completely clueless. They're just like, "Uh, yeah, but we didn't bring any bread. Because he's talking about leaven, right? He introduced this leaven thing, right? And they're just like, clueless there's just nothing there they're just sitting in the boat and they're like we brought one loaf of bread jesus and he's like uh guys this has never been about bread <laughs> this lesson has nothing to do with that loaf of bread that you're holding there It got nothing to do with your stomachs guys i'm trying to teach you something that's really deep that's gonna have profound effects on your ministry it's gonna it's gonna It's 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 got the the potential to be destroying in your ministry. It's it's the potential to really mess you up and send you in a in a tailspin. And the disciples are like, uh, we we got this one loaf of bread, Jesus. There's another, just like one of those. Now Jesus doesn't deeply sigh here, right? But he could have. It could have said that. It could have very easily just said, like Jesus, like. Okay. All right. They're just not getting it. We're just not getting it, guys. Right? You're just not getting it. The thing that God has been trying to shine a spotlight on in your life, there are moments where Jesus goes, "I, Okay. Okay. I, I, I'm, I'm trying here, I'm, I'm, I'm shining a spotlight on this thing, this thing that you've, you've, you know is an issue in your life. Like, he keeps bringing it back around to you, and he does it so gently with us, right? He just keeps bringing it back around, and he does it through our reading of scripture, he does it through people he does it in our prayer lives he does it in our circumstances and our experiences he keeps bringing it around to us and it's just for whatever reason we're just not getting it it's like we're sitting in that boat and we're going like yeah with Jesus but um we got a loaf of bread and he's like guys I'm not talking about bread that's not it Jesus asks a series of questions in this section, um, starting with the question, why are you talking about bread? <laughs> I, I love that question, right? Like, what, why, why are we talking about this? I, I don't get it. So Jesus was using an analogy to warn the disciples about the opposition of the Pharisees and the Herodians, and all they can think about is, you know, whether or not they've brought enough bread or not. Jesus' miracles were, were not just miracles for miracles' sake. There's something deeper. And so Jesus asked these questions as a way to probe deeper into the lack of understanding of the disciples. It says, aware of their discussion in verse 17. He's, so he's aware of what's going on, right? He knows that they're just talking about their stomachs, he knows that they're just talking about this one loaf of bread. But he asks them nine questions that he's he's going to use to dive deeper into their hearts and their souls to see what is it and why is it that you're missing when I'm trying to teach you. I, I think they're great questions for us to ask of ourselves. This is in verse 17. And Jesus aware of them said to this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? having eyes do you not see and having ears do you not hear and do you not remember when i broke the five loaves and the five uh, for the 5000 how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up and they said to him 12 and then seven for 4000 how many basketfuls of broken pieces did you take up and they said to him seven and he said to them do you not yet understand Nine questions. Why are you discussing bread? Why are you discussing bread? Second question, do you not yet perceive or understand? The answer, sadly, no, they don't. Are your hearts hardened, he asks them. Sadly, the answer, yes, they are hardened. Have you eyes, do you not see? No, they don't see. Having ears, do you not hear? No, they don't. Do you not remember? Apparently not. When I fed 5,000, how many basketfuls did you collect? Twelve? When I fed 4,000, how many basketfuls? Seven? Do you not yet understand? No, apparently not. So what are the factors, as we look at these nine questions, what are the factors that keep you from learning what the Father wants to root deeply in you? What are those factors? Well, the first one, I think, is our minds. Our minds. Are there things that you have closed your mind to, where you've stopped short in your growth and your understanding of Jesus? Is there something that's kept your mind distracted? See, our mind is the first place to start. When we begin closing our mind off, when we we begin th- stopping thinking and, and being filled with this sense of awe and wonder, then then it's really difficult for for God to begin penetrating our, our hearts and and really deeply rooting something in us because we've just we've turned the switch off. We're like, well, no, I'm good. I think I understand enough about that. I, I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rest easy on that particular fact. See, when we open our minds and we think, oh no, there's far more for me to learn that I I don't I've not even begun to think beyond one percent of what God has done in this world. That He is far larger and far grander than I could ever think or imagine. Then we open ourselves up to the possibility that God can teach us and we can, we can grasp and understand far more than what we ever have. To be quite frank, though, we have, most of us have, have just closed our minds off. We feel like we're good right now. I mean, yeah, we're, we're fine with studying for, for things, you know, for work or for tests that we need to take. But when it comes to really understanding God's word and who he is, like our basic knowledge sometimes just feels like it's enough. The fact is, is it's not. God has far more that he wants to instruct us in, far more that he wants to open our minds to. I find it staggering sometimes that people have fixed in their minds certain things, even doctrinal things about who God is. And they're just like, nope, this is what I believe. And then you question them, well, why do you believe that? And they go, well, I don't know. I just, I just think that's what I should know, right? Or That's what I think we should believe, you press some more and like, well, give me some biblical evidence for this. Tell me how you come to this understanding. Tell me how you've arrived at this. And it's like, well, I don't know. This is what my parents believed or it's what I heard on this podcast or it's I read this one book. It simply is just not enough. Our minds are, are possible receiving far more knowledge about who God is Understanding his majesty and his awe. And so is it that your mind is the thing that's closed off from really understanding the knowledge of what God has for you? So when you think about that one thing that you've circled or underlined, like what is it that you could do to learn more about what God may be wanting to teach you in that? Is there something more that you could do to at least seek out the heart and the mind of God. So, mind is the first, right? The second one is the heart. Jesus asks, Are your hearts hardened? And for the disciples, they're not hardened to the place of the Pharisees are hardened. Like, their, their hearts believe Jesus, right? They're following him, but there's a, a place in their hearts. <coughs> Excuse me. Tim, can you turn it out just for a second? Thanks. But there is a hard hearted there's a hardness there and insensitivity to the spirit that just won't allow the, the truth of what jesus is trying to teach them to really permeate their hearts there may be things in your own life where there is a hardness or a hardening of your heart or an insensitivity to the spirit that for whatever reason is just not getting in i don't know what those things are that are standing in the way maybe maybe it's some kind of difficulty where you're where perhaps you're, you, you've, you've had some encounter or you've, you've, you've had some hard circumstance in your life, and for whatever reason, it's the thing that's just standing in the way. It's unforgiveness in your life. I don't know what that thing may be. It may stand your way from God really being able to do something unique in your heart, especially about that one thing that he continues to shine a spotlight on? What is it that he wants to do to soften your heart so that you can really receive all that he wants from you? <clears throat> the third thing is this, your senses. So Jesus asked, having eyes do you not see? Having ears do you not hear? What has the Lord been trying, been trying to help you to hear and see? He tem, or tem. Perhaps we have dulled senses. Maybe it's difficult for you to hear the voice of the Lord or to see the truth on the pages of Scripture. Why is that? Why is it that sometimes we just can't hear, we can't see? what God has for us in the areas that he wants us to work on but well, sometimes it's because we're allowed another sense to get in the way and that sense for the disciples was hunger why is it they weren't hearing or seeing what Jesus was trying to tell them it's like well their stomachs were grumbling right And for whatever reason in that moment all they could think about was we forgot to bring bread and we're really hungry and what are we going to eat right and Jesus is trying to speak over their own physical hunger, but it's not sinking in. There are times in our life where we've allowed physical hunger, the things of this life, to distract us and to, to, to carry us away so that we actually can't see what God is trying to teach us or hear what he's trying to teach us because we're so overwhelmed by the things of this earth. I mean, I think it goes hand in hand very well with what Steve is trying to bring to, to light tonight, asking how many hours have we spent In social media, sorry, this is really annoying. I apologize for coughing so much, trying to get over being sick. It decided to come back right now. Um, I actually have cough drops. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Yep. I just got to get through it. Some of you are just like, hurry up. But I think what Steve brought up tonight is actually really helpful in that, um, I'm getting my cough drop out right here, Um, is that sometimes we filled our lives with all kinds of things. I'm completely guilty of that. I am a Netflix junkie. Like, I find a series, and I'm one of those guys, I just can't do anything else until I finish whatever series it is, and I'm praying to the Lord like it's six episodes, because if it's like 12, no one's going to see me, right? But we we tend to fill our hunger with all kinds of things. And what it does is it masks over hearing and seeing what really God wants to do in our lives. And here's the last one. Is our memory? He asks them this question. He says, "Do you not remember?" And then then he asks two two questions to to really bring it home for them. He says, "When I fed five thousand, how many (coughs) baskets full did you collect?" And then he says, "When I fed four thousand, how many basketfuls did you collect?" What's he trying to do? He's trying to help them remember. Do you not remember? Like you're talking about having one loaf of bread that you brought in this boat. You have a very short, very short memory. Because if you were to remember what I just did, just did, feeding over 4,000 people. And if you were to think even further back (coughs) to me feeding 5,000 people, you would not be asking me about bread. You wouldn't. If we needed bread, this boat would be completely filled with bread. If we needed fish, like, I can handle that, right? Why do we have such short-term memory problems? Like the things that God is trying to highlight in your life, shine a spotlight on that thing, how many times does the Lord need to bring that to memory? for you. And to say, "Hey, do you remember when I brought you through that really difficult thing? Do you remember when I already took care of that? Do you remember when like whatever it is that you circle on that page, I can guarantee you that God has been telling you faithfully time after time." Memory after memory, you can recount back to the ways that God was faithful to you, and you wouldn't be asking about bread. There's Some implications to all of this. A couple of them I want to give to you. The first one is this. Um, and this is for those who have not yet placed their trust in Christ. Who you would say, I- "I'm not a Christian. I'm I'm just checking this thing out. I'm not really sure about it." I, I just want to say this to you. I'm grateful that you're here. I really am. Um, but but you need to understand that there will be things about the Christian life that you will just simply never understand. You will never understand when you put your faith in Christ, and I know it seems like a big leap to go from unbelieving in a God to believing in God, right? That's a huge leap from one place to the other. Let me just tell you, you will not understand until you have made that leap. That This this world is like a veil. And and when we put our faith in Christ, it's not like we see perfectly because we don't. But when we put our faith in Christ, then that veil gets drawn back. Jesus does something in our lives where we start to see clarity about this world and who we are and our identity. The truth is is that if you've not given your life to Christ, uh, your eyes have been clouded over by this world. And it is deceitful and we have a very real enemy. Whether you believe in that enemy or not, you have a real enemy who clouds your eyes And veils it so you can't see what the truth really is. C.S. Lewis says, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the sun has risen. Not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. When we come to faith in Christ, we see everything else for what it really truly is. So I invite you tonight to believe. Believe. If you're not there yet, that's all. We'd love to journey with you and help you understand and come to sermons, But at some point, this will just not make sense to you. It just won't. Like it, it, this, this thing about Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and that you have to do nothing for it, that you don't earn it, like that seems crazy. And it is. It really is. Until you understand God's grace over your life. So I want to invite you to continue journeying with this. You don't have to live in darkness anymore. That's what it is. Life without Christ, it is darkness. And Jesus died on the cross so that you could have the freedom, so you could really step into the light and see who he is truly. There's implications for us as disciples, for those of us who um, follow Jesus. One is this, and that is, is that as disciples were to be constant learners, not just head knowledge. I hope you haven't gotten that tonight. It's beyond the mind. It really is the mind, our heart, our senses, all of those things. But Jesus is constantly wooing us to himself. He is constantly inviting us into a relationship with him. And he's inviting us to take deeper and deeper drinks of the well. And let me tell you, that well is so deep. We could spend a lifetime and never get to the end of it. About who God is and how good he is in our life and how faithful he is like you could never get to the end of that well and he is inviting us to drink deeply from that Jesus reminds us in the gospel of John he said I am the bread of life like we get concerned and disciples are concerned with actual bread and he's saying I am the bread of life Truly I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. That's what he's inviting us to. To have the real bread of life that satisfies, that will satisfy us from now to eternity, and we can never have our fill enough. Like we could come back again and again and again to him who fills us completely. As a disciple of Jesus, you never graduate. You don't. There's always something that Jesus is trying to teach us. So be mindful of your your heart, be mindful of your mind, your senses, and your memories. Be mindful of those things. Search out, God, what is it that you really want to teach me, and how do I put myself in a posture of humility so I can truly learn those things and grow and be deeply rooted in you. There's an implication for those of you who are disciplers as well. Let me just see just how many of you are, uh, would say that you're actively discipling somebody. Whether you're leading a small group or you're, leading, you're in a DNA group or you're discipling somebody one-on-one. <laughs> how many would you say? Okay, so there's a number of you. So let me just say this to you. Um, you can't give what you're not getting. You can't give what you're not getting. If you're actively discipling someone, teaching God's word, trying to pour into someone else's life, you can't give what you're not getting. There are implications for that. So I want to encourage you to be a lifelong learner. Put yourselves in the boat with Jesus, seeking out, hearing him woo you, hearing him invite you, to learn to drink deep into that well, to eat of that bread of life that will satisfy you and do it in a humble way in which you can learn all that he's trying to teach you. Let's pray together.